This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome back at the Mariner's Pod. Thanks for being here once again. Man, we have a lot to talk about. There has been a lot that has happened since we spoke last, so we're going to cover everything that's gone on in the past handful of days. We'll get you ready for the next couple games of this series. We'll also hear from Sean O'Malley, who's the hitting coach in Everett. You remember Sean O'Malley, former Mariners player and now in the system. He's got some really great insights about well the players he's seen, including Julio, the kind of uh, bigger picture with the system and hitting philosophy in general. So those are some great conversations coming up. But we have some highlights to get to. We have some post-game reaction to get to. We have a lot to get to. So let's take it from the top of the Texas series. You remember the Mariners had taken, of course, two of three against Oakland coming off Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of last week. So it started on Thursday against Texas. This is kind of a theme we saw, we have seen now. Mariners have won five in a row. And a big part of that has been starting pitching. It has been excellent so far. Flexen staring in, still as a statue as he stands tall on the hill. Garcia, his lead at first, tying run at the plate. Here's the 1-0. Swung on, bounding ball right up the middle. Mayfield right there, flips it to Crawford. That's the out, and that is the inning. What a night it has been for Chris Flexen. Walks off the mound, he's blank Texas through seven. Allowing just three hits along the way. What a night it's been. Good work right there. Seven innings. Mariners win the first game 5-0. Tom Murphy, who's really been on a nice run, well, he hit a long one. Here comes the 1-2. Swung on and destroyed the left field. This is long gone. Into the Rangers' bullpen. Bye-bye, Tom Murphy. A big blast to left. And the Mariners have a 1-0 lead. There was no doubt about that one. So they win the first game of the stretch against Texas 5-0. And the next four have played out in pretty similar fashion in that very close ball games. And the bullpen has been magnificent for the most part. Here's the stretch. 3-2 on the way to Martin. Swing and it's popped up. Foul. First base side near the dugout. Ty France is there. Has some room at the track. He makes the catch. And the ball game is over. The Mariners hang on and they win it tonight. A final score of 3-2 over the Rangers. They take the opening two games of this four-game series. Yeah, so they take the first two against Texas. 5-0, 3-2. Then they do it again. Third game of the series, 3-2. Here's the stretch. And the 0-2 on the way to Hanniger. Swing and a fly ball into deep center field. Garcia racing back to the one. He tracked to the wall. Goodbye baseball. Mitch Hanniger with a home run toward right center. His 14th home run of the season. The Mariners with a big insurance run. Here in the bottom of the eighth, and it's now the Mariners' three, and the Rangers' one second home run for the Mariners tonight. So a couple three-to-two wins in a row. 
The Mariners take the first three games of the series, and then they hand the keys over to Yusei Kikuchi, who continues his role. He was dynamite. Now the one-two. Swing and a miss. A helpless wave at 97 mile an hour cheese up and away. Connor Falefa back to the dugout. So is Kikuchi. Six brilliant innings. He had an excellent May. And you look at his last six starts. It's impressive. 277 ERA opponents batting just 162 against him in that stretch. How about 41 punch outs and 39 innings? Especially in the context of you know, Paxton, Marco being out. He has gone to the top of the rotation, and he has been outstanding in the stretch for the Mariners. If you want a little deeper dive into Kikuchi, check out the latest Wheelhouse podcast with Jerry Depoto. You can find it the same place you find this one. Uh, we have uh, we go in-depth on what Kikuchi has been doing as of late. It's pretty good stuff. So it's been impressive every time he's taken them out. So the Mariners sweep aside the Texas in four, and then holiday Monday, and things got pretty interesting against the A's too. Here is the stretch and the 2-2 pitch. The Walton swing and a drive into right field and deep. Brown going back, looking up. Goodbye, baseball. How about that? Donovan Walton with a three-run home run here in the bottom of the fourth inning. And the Mariners have a 3-1 to lead in the ball game over the Oakland A's. Donovan Walton going deep. And for Donovan, his first home run in the big leagues. How about that? Yeah, how fun was that? The Mariners put a four spot on the board. Unfortunately, they couldn't add much to it, and the A's kept creeping back, including two in the eighth inning. Mariners' bullpen has not given up much of anything during this stretch, and it's been some characters you would not have exactly expected coming into the season. JT Chagua has been excellent. Seawalt has been excellent. They've really, in close, tight situations, done the job. But the A's get a couple, so this game would be tied 4-4. And then things would look dark as Oakland scores one in the top of the 10th inning. But Ty France right to the rescue. He has been outstanding since returning from injury. Bearded right-hander comes to the plate. The pitch. Swung on, hit. Left side. Past the diving shortstop. Getting a wave on his Mayfield. Here he comes. Kemp's arm not very good. It's cut up by the third baseman. And we get a tie ball game at 5-5. Ty France comes through for the Mariners here in the bottom of the 10th at T-Mobile Park. And then the Mariners would walk it off. Man, Tom Murphy gets it done for the M's. A sack fly to right field. 6-5 to five win. Mariners win in extras. They've won five in a row. This has been a real roll and a lot of fun. Unfortunately, not all great news yesterday. Kyle Lewis had to leave the game early. Some knee pain. And unfortunately, it sounds like it's similar to what he had in spring training. So no timetable as of yet. We'll know more tomorrow. But uh, it puts a damper on what was a... Very exciting day at the yard and a really fun stretch for the Mariners. Uh, let's hear what Scott Service had to say about that and, of course, the rest of the game. Uh, heck of an effort by, by our crew today. Uh, fun game, really. You know, you get uh, started off with Logan Gilbert, uh, obviously the best outing he's had in the big leagues, and he's starting to settle in. Um, thought he did an outstanding job, certainly. Um, started out a little crazy. The first pitch of the game hits a guy, and he turns the next pitch into a double play. But... Uh, Thought he threw the ball really, really well. Uh, again, continuing to work, and he stayed with his secondary pitches today. He got his slider going, and that certainly helped him uh, get through those six innings. Uh, uh, Donnie Walton, or also known as Rudy on our team, uh, the three-run homer today. So uh, 
he has become a <laughs> the guy everybody choose, cheers for. No question. It's it's the, the little guy that busts his tail every day and uh, coming up big and playing great baseball for us. But uh, you know our bullpen um, has just been so consistent, no matter who we put out there. And we almost wiggled through it today, uh, just not quite enough. Obviously, they got the the two runs there in the eighth, but uh, heck of a job by our guys to hang in there and find a way to win it at the end. Scott, how impressed were you with Murphy's approach there in that last at bat? I mean, not even getting a hit there, but getting something that he could put deep enough into the ballpark to, to bring home that run. Yeah, it's, it's, it's being a professional right there. You're not trying to hit a homer. You're not trying to kill it. Just understanding what the situation calls for. And, you know, the more times that our guys are in those spots, you know, Kelnick had a big at bat late in the, late in the game. Um, you have to go through it. You have to go through those uh, as a young player. And, you know, Murph's a little bit older. He's been through it a little bit more and, and really impressed with how he handled that. Uh, ready to hit, but waiting for his pitch, getting ahead in the count and then getting a pitch he could do something with. So uh, huge at bat, Ty France, getting the, the, the first, the tying run uh, across the plate with the base hit the left field. Trevino's got a really good sinker. He's got good stuff. And um, Ty got inside a ball and was able to get that through the infield. So good, really good approaches there late in the game by our guys. Hey, Scott. Uh what the hell is that look that Murphy makes when he gets does something good that his eyes get all bugged out and he screams and shows his teeth? It's like a – I mean, he used to do the cartwheels. Now he's doing that every time he does something good. Do you guys have a name for it? Uh, I don't know if that one's been uh, been named yet, but uh, unfortunately you guys don't get – you know, if, if Murph does have a rough at bat, uh, he, he does go a little crazy once in a while down in the tunnel, and uh, I think that's his, that's his happy face if there is one for Murph. Uh, he's as intense as they come. Uh, our guys love him. And the, the thing about Marv too, is, you know, he, he is one of those guys with a louder voice in our clubhouse. He will say the crazy things. He will, you know, call somebody out, say a lot of things in jest. And in the clubhouse, there's a lot of truth said in jest. So uh, he's one of those guys. It's nice to see him come through in that spot. Obviously a, off to a, a rough start early in the year, but has really picked it up here the last couple of weeks. I don't think I've ever seen a walk-off celebration where he was not letting anybody grab him and nobody really wanted to grab him because he's so strong. <laughs> he is put together. Uh, <laughs> he's in great shape, takes his workouts very seriously as he does his game. And uh, again, everybody contributed in the ball game today. Very, very crucial win. Scott, Logan, what, what happened with... Go ahead, Jen. Well, as much as I want to know what the, your question is, Tim, in the third inning with Logan, look, there was a pitch that could have gone a different direction with Olsen. It, it cost him a lot of pitches, but how did you see him not let that affect him and then bounce back to keep everything in check? Yeah, Logan, even though he's young, he's got a very mature approach. And uh, I think he goes through games understanding what he can control and what he can't, uh, which is a nice attribute to have as a young player. Um, oftentimes guys are just looking for that result and they get away from themselves. So, um, he did a great job today, really excited about the step he made for, you know, moving forward today and what that's going to mean for him and for our rotation, you know, for the rest of the year. Scott, what happened with Kyle Lewis and, and do you have an update on, on him? Yeah. You know, Kyle, um, if you remember the, I think the ball that Murphy, uh, hit over his head or in the gap there in the eighth inning, uh, you know, he kind of reached for it. I think when he, when he came down, he, he felt some soreness in his knee, um, a little bit similar to maybe what he felt in spring training. Uh, you know, he did miss some time with that. So uh, just precautionary, let's get him out of the game. Let's get it checked on and, and take a look from there. So again, we'll wait and see. Um, he'll, he'll get looked at here after the game or, uh, and see what we got. 
Scott, you talked about being impressed with Logan's breaking ball today, but just how great was his fastball, not just from a velocity standpoint. It seemed like he was really locating it much better today, too. Yeah, it was uh, his fastball plays, and I know they squared up once in a while. That's what happens in the big leagues. doesn't matter how hard you throw, but uh, I thought there was more of those that were on the edges of the strike zone today. There was a few in the middle. Uh, there always will be, uh, but I thought he had really good stuff today, competed very well, and I think the more that we're going to be around Logan Gilbert, you're going to see once he gets into the fifth, sixth inning, um, he's got a little bit of that. It's a different uh, – you know how Marco gets late in the game? He kind of takes it over, and he is going to finish innings. Uh, Logan Gilbert's got that same attribute. That's what's going to allow him not just to stuff, but be a, a top-end starter in this league, knowing what it takes to get through that third lineup. Third time through the lineup, you know, he was able to do it today. Tom Murphy was the hero. Tom Murphy and, well, he's a meme now. There's no doubt about that. Here's what Tom had to say after the ball game. Tom, what was your approach going into that at bat? I mean, knowing that Trevino's got a really good sinker, you got the bases loaded there. Kind of walk us through your approach. Yeah, for me, I was just trying to get a ball up so I could put it in the air. It was as simple as that. Um, you know, obviously, bases were loaded, one out. Fly ball was going to do the job. And thankfully, I put myself in a good count and uh, got the pitch I needed to do it on. Tom, I got to ask. The, that face and thing you do there, what's going on with that? You have a name for it. It's not called your happy face, but where did this come from? I know you did it the other day when you had a homer. Where did this come from? Yeah, well, I think we can all agree I, I take this game pretty seriously, and I'm a pretty serious person most of the time. Um, so this is kind of my over-exaggeration of my smile face. So uh, the guys are loving it right now. Um, you know, it gets a good laugh, keeps things light, so – I don't roll with it until it kind of wears out, wears, wears itself out. Um, but, yeah, everybody loves it, and they anticipate it now. So it's it's good uh, clubhouse morale for sure. What has your wife and kids said about this? <laughs> um, you know, I, I try to tone myself down when I go home. I can't be baseball Tom when I go home, obviously. But uh, I'm a goofball at home with my kids. And, you know, honestly, it's probably not uh, – they're probably not too surprised, honestly. I, I do a lot of weird stuff with them too as well. You guys have a name for the face yet, Tom? Not that I know of. Nobody's told me to my face, at least. Maybe behind my back, there's some things being pushed around. But, yeah, nothing yet. And did it start recently, like on that most recent road trip, or was it sometime before that? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, Seeger kind of called me out, said, hey, you got to have some more fun out there and stuff like that. So uh, that day, I just kind of took it to the max and uh, told myself I was going to be as, as – silly and as positive as possible and that's what kind of came of it and it's I guess that just kind of speaks to what I what I see myself as in in a silly sort of sense you didn't seem to want to let them mob you or rip your jersey off or anything you went straight wrestler mode there what was going on there yeah I'm not a big fan of like uh people bossing me around I guess so I I tried to give it back to them (laughs) um take us through uh the progress you saw with Logan today, uh, not only with his fastball, but with his secondary pitches. Yeah, I think we got a hint of that the last time we, we faced Oakland when we were in Oakland. Um, you know, his fastball is is an elite fastball, 96, 98 miles an hour. He gets really plus extension. I mean, he's a, he's a gigantic kid, obviously. Um, and so the fastball is going to play like it should when other pitches are in play as well. So, you know, he, nobody can go out there and just throw all fastballs for the most part of the big leagues and have a ton of success, especially as a starting pitcher. So for him to just sprinkle in, you know, his other secondary pitches, 
and just make sure that the hitter is aware of something other than his fastball, that's when we're going to really start to see him take off and, and see the success on the fastball that we all want to see. Um, because that's his bread and butter pitch. We all know that. I mean, it's hard to knock a 98 mile fastball and say that's not your best pitch. Um, but he has some really plus secondary pitches that he's going to start landing in the zone a little bit more. And that's when you're going to really see Logan Gilbert take off, I believe. Tom, a week ago, you went in, you guys had come off losing six in a row. It was kind of, everything was chaos with the COVID stuff. You go to Oakland, you play well there, and now you guys have won seven of eight, uh, five in a row. What has been the difference, do you think, in this stretch? <laughs> to me, it all starts with pitching. You know, I, I truly believe this game revolves around that and throwing strikes. Um, we got kind of away from ourselves there for a little bit on the road trip, and it's, it's easy to, you know, but it's also they deserve a lot of credit because it's not easy to turn those things around when something kind of starts going sideways. And for our pitchers to, to immediately kind of notice that and, and change the tune of which we were playing before that, you know, it, it really kind of, they deserve that credit. You know, our, our pitching staff deserves that credit. Our coaches deserve that credit because that's something we're, we're trying to base ourselves as an organization is that we're going to dominate the zone. And when you go out and do that, it really doesn't matter who's on the mound, you know, that that holds true for everybody. I truly believe if you're out there as the aggressor, you know, good things are going to happen. I think that's what you've seen here in the past eight games or so. What's the re dugout's reaction when Donnie hit that bomb? You're not really expecting big flies from him like that. Um, you know, <clears throat> Donnie Walton is one of the most light kids I've ever seen in my life. And it's because he goes out there and he does everything right. And he's one of those kids you could easily point to that if he didn't try his absolute hardest from day one in college, he probably wouldn't be here. And so it really speaks to him, to who he is as a player, who he is as a person. I mean, literally one through 26 in that dugout loves that guy. And for him to have the success that we all know he's capable of and for him to go out there and, and do it and finally get his first big league homer, that's when you see those types of reactions and he deserves all the credit. And here's Donovan Walton after smashing his first home run. Congratulations on your first home run, Donnie. I cannot imagine that you didn't know it was gone. It sounded pretty good off the bat, but at what point did it sink in that that was your first big league home run? I mean, I knew I caught it good, and then first thing you do is kind of look at the right fielder and see how he, he reacts to it. And then once I saw him stop running, I, I think my body went to shock, and I just blacked out. And my whole body, I just couldn't feel anything. It was just the, but it's what I dreamt about and envisioned about a million times through my head growing up. And uh, to happen like that in a stadium like this and the teammates I have and the veteran guys that are in the clubhouse, it's unbelievable. You ran around the bases pretty fast. You didn't get to really enjoy it. Is that because you didn't <laughs> yeah. feel your legs or what? My adrenaline was going. My adrenaline was going. I was just can't, couldn't wait to um see all the guys in the dugout so it was pretty awesome also how great was it to see their reaction from the dugout it seemed like they were the first people you looked at right when you were rounding first base yeah uh it, it was pretty special and we i made a couple adjustments with jd and uh lake before the game and it felt pretty good during bp in the cage and i was like i i'm i'm pretty i'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now so um when I when I hit it, I look, I try to just look at the dugout and see if I saw them and just give them a let's go for a round at first base. But uh, no, it was it was special, man. Have you checked your phone yet to see the number of text messages and messages that you've got? Yet? Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to take me a while. 
it's uh it's been blowing up right now so i'm very very thankful for the people around me and uh friends and family you got the ball i assume and what do you plan to do with it oh yeah chris got it our clubby chris got it and um it's already cased up and that's going to go to mom and dad pretty soon how great was that fan reaction to were you able to hear that amid all the mob of your teammates oh yeah it's it was everything i dreamt about and more man it was uh like I said, I envisioned that moment a million times in my head um, growing up in the offseason. Um, so to happen like that, Memorial Day, day game, um, uh, with the, the fans packed out, it was a special moment. Johnny, I noticed you weren't trying to tackle Tom Murphy after the walk. <laughs> Nobody seemed to really want to tackle him. What was going on there? Uh, Murph is the man. Uh, I love talking with Murph, and uh, I was so happy for him to uh, make that happen, have that walk off. And, uh, yeah, I was afraid I was going to catch a catch a punch in the face or elbow trying to rich, rip his jersey off. But, uh, no, that couldn't happen to a better guy. What do you guys think of that face that he makes, that he's been making over the past week? Everybody's scared of it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious, but uh, – no, that's just Murph. That's just Murph. He makes everybody laugh and um, keeps the team loose. And big picture, which should not be lost in the fireworks at the end of the game yesterday, Logan Gilbert, his best start for the Mariners. Six innings, two-run ball, one walk, five strikeouts. He was really good. And what's more impressive, I thought it, was, it would be a, a real interesting challenge coming into the game, given he faced Oakland in his last start a week ago. And so Oakland was very familiar with how he goes about it, and he was able to keep a good offense very quiet with just two runs and six innings. So that was really good stuff from Logan Gilbert. Here's what he had to say after the ball game. Logan, how much did things change for you, or how much easier was it preparing to face the same team back-to-back outings? Because this one certainly looked different than the last one. Yeah, I think we had a good game plan going into it. And um, I was familiar with some of the batters uh, I faced. Most of the lineup was the same, I think, except for Chapman, maybe. Um, so we just pretty much sticked with the plan from last time and felt more comfortable uh, knowing that I was facing the same hitters as last time. Logan, how did you kind of bring yourself back after not getting that call uh, for strike three against Colson? And you walk him, the ground rule double after, and you come back with that big strikeout. How did you kind of bring yourself back after that? Yeah, um, I, you can't really get caught up on all that stuff. And honestly, I didn't know if it was a strike or not. I just felt like it was close. Um, but at the end of the day, you still have to make a pitch um, and try to get back to the present moment as fast as possible. We talked about that a lot here with the Mariners. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, you're still out there. You had the ball in your hand and uh, there's still a batter in the box, so it doesn't change anything that's happened before. You just have to go out there and try to make another pitch. Did you feel like the quality of strikes today, particularly with your fastball, was as good as it's been in the big league so far? I think so. I was trying to be aggressive um, and just try to get an advantage counts as, as soon as possible, and I was able to do that not all the time, but a, a good majority of the time and um, trying to make them – make them beat me on swings on either, you know, early fastballs or trying to get ahead and expand as I could. So um, I felt like I did a pretty good job at that. Okay. It seemed like later in the game, you had just as, you were just as strong. 
Uh, and Scott said you kind of have that mentality. You know, when you see the finish line, you kind of get a uh, killer mentality like Marco. Do you have that? And did you feel like you were throwing just as hard and have just as good of stuff? Uh, yeah, I couldn't really tell uh, Velo stuff like that, but um, it's always the most fun in the later innings when you feel like you're finishing up your outing. Um, I, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, when you when you do feel like the finish line is right there, sometimes I was getting, you probably can't tell, I'm not very animated, but I was getting really pumped up out there and tried to like take a breath and settle myself down um, just because the crowd, the situation, all that kind of stuff, trying to finish strong. Kip had said he was looking for five to six innings from you today. That was kind of his goal. What was your goal going out there? I was just trying to do the best for my team and put us in a position to win. Uh, of course, I want to go as deep as I can, help the bullpen out, all that kind of stuff, uh, especially when people are playing so well around me. Donnie with a huge home run, the bullpen always does a great job, stuff like that. So I felt like it was my turn to step up and try to do everything I could for the team. Logan, which breaking ball? Go ahead. No, go ahead, Blair. Logan, which breaking ball felt better today for you? Uh, definitely a slider. I felt like I was able to make some big pitches when I needed to with the slider. Um, and it was there for the most part. I was definitely confident in it. Um, there's definitely some things to clean up with the curveball or with certain pitches here or there. So overall, I felt pretty good about it. But there definitely be some things I'll be focusing on this next week. Okay. Did you allow yourself to think about possibly getting your first win? I mean, you leave after six, you got a 4-2 lead. Did, you, did it enter your mind when you're watching? Uh, yeah, it came up a little bit. It's hard not to, um, but I can only control what I can control. And, uh, you know, when we walk off like that, it's pretty cool. It's it's a special moment regardless. So this is awesome that we were just able to um, regain the lead. Uh, it's I think it says a lot about our team and the way we can keep this streak going. So that was pretty cool to see. Murphy's such a respected guy in the clubhouse. He's fought it all year to see him have some success like that. And how do you describe that face he makes when he does that, when he does something good? It's terrifying. It is. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's his thing. I try to stay out of the way. He, I, he's an awesome guy. He scares me sometimes. I, I don't know. But uh, he's cool. And just having that presence around, he's really helped me and uh, kind of helped me uh, learn the ropes a little bit quicker. So uh, it's cool to see him excited and have a big moment like that. So that was a fun one. The Mariners take game one, and now they look for a serious win tonight. And guess what? They get to hand the ball to Marco Gonzalez. He will go for the Mariners. Now, he's not going to go long. Uh, Three-ish innings in this one. So a lot of bullpen. Hector Santiago, remember, he is still up, and he's a guy that can give them innings. But it's going to be all hands on deck after Marco as they look for the series win. Now, on the other side of things, Chris Bassett is going to go for Oakland, and He's coming off, well, I guess you could call it the best start in his career. He's having a fine season in ERA, just a touch over three. Remember, he was Oakland's best starter a year ago and really good, and he's repeating everything he did last year. His last time out against the Angels, complete game, shutout, just two hits allowed, one walk and nine strikeouts, a season-high 114 pitches. Start before that, he went into the eighth, only gave up a couple runs. So he's been really tough on just about everyone he's faced this season. Not many teams have been able to get to him. I mean, his worst start of the year was in Minnesota where he gave up four runs and in five innings. So the rest of that, he's been great. So it's going to be a tough matchup coming up tonight, 7-10 against Oakland. And then Chris Flexen gets the ball again on Wednesday, 7-10. Sean Manaya will get the ball for the A's in that one. We'll talk more about that as we move through the rest of the week. And then road trip hits 
starting against the Angels uh, on Thursday. So really interesting stretch. We'll see if the Mariners can keep the role going. In the meantime, let's uh, hear our conversation with Sean O'Malley, hitting coach at Everett and former Mariner. Tell us about Julio. What is he like as a hitter? What is he like as a dude? We have a sense of it. We all hear Julio's stories, but you've had a chance to be around him a lot so far this year. I love the kid. I mean, the way he plays the game, the way he goes about his business, he simplifies everything. It's never like too in depth. It's I know if I swing down and I'm on time, I'm going to crush the baseball. And you know, the way he runs the bases, he's always looking to go first to third. He's looking to find the opportunity to still running balls down. Like it's incredible to see his maturity and his skill set is just ridiculous. But the fact that somebody like that plays the game that hard, it's, it's insane. The thing that blows me away about Everett is the rotation. When you look at just the pure stuff from afar, <laughs> you're on the hitting side of things, but I know you can appreciate what you're seeing. What can you tell us about the arms you have seen from Everett so far this year? It is absolutely electric. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. I couldn't, I was making a joke with McGrath the other day, like, this might be a hall of fame minor league team. Like this might be the best minor league team anybody's ever seen. You know, it is incredible. The amount of arms coming out of that pen from once starting and the way they go about their business too, is, you know, I think a large reason why they're so successful. They take pride in everything they do and they want to get better every day. You know, if they walk a guy, it's like a hitter striking out four times in the game. Like just by walking one person, like they seem to be, more aware and more in tune with every aspect of that side of the game than I think I've ever seen in my, my career. And a lot of it has to do with McGrath and Matt Pierpont being so diligent with them and so receptive to him. I think that they really, really buy into our process. Sean's a player that has maybe been lost in the Julio fog in Everett. Uh, Zach Deloach uh, had a, a monster season on the Cape uh, going into his final year at Texas A&M. Uh, he ended up being a, a really high draft pick second rounder by the Mariners. Uh, he's just getting his pro career started. Looks like he's controlling the strike zone incredibly well. We, we know he's a big, strong guy. He got his first home run out of the way early on this season. When you've had a chance to be around Zach and watch him play, what are your takeaways? He's a good player. I mean, He's very good at D to Z, you know, like dominating the zone, controlling the zone, very aware of when it's a bad pitch, when he swings at a bad pitch. So he understands what, it, what makes him successful and that's swinging at good pitches in his zone. And he comes to work every single day. You know, he's very receptive to anything that we suggest to him, you know, and he's getting better defensively in the outfield and looking more comfortable. So, you know, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. How much have you enjoyed coaching so far this year? It's been awesome. Some days I feel like I don't do anything because and I'm like, I can't even take credit for this. They're just that good. But uh, no, man, I enjoy it. Um, I came into it thinking like, I really don't need this job. It's the fact that I want this job. Like I want to be there helping these kids. Like I think nothing more would make me more pleased knowing that like I help these guys get to the big leagues. I mean, that's like the ultimate goal. So, I mean, so far I've really, really enjoyed coaching and plus our staff is incredible we're very young i think i'm one of the oldest besides umbria so it's it's weird being 33 or whatever however old i am and <laughs> thinking that i'm like the old coach sean o'malley is our guest former mariner and now everett hitting coach 
Sean, when you were playing, I know there's kind of the old adage of once you start thinking about what you want to do when you're done playing, that means that you're done playing. Uh, but as a, just a human being and your mind drifts every once in a while, did you ever think why you were playing that uh, this would be a line of work that you'd want to get into? Yeah, I always thought I could, I felt like I didn't know which direction to go hitting coach. Like, do I want to be a manager, you know, whatever it is, uh, clubby. I don't know. So, but I knew I wanted, <laughs> I knew I wanted to stay in the game. I wanted to help. Um, I just didn't know when that time would be. Uh, and they could, later independent ball was really when I started thinking a little bit more about it, but while I was playing, I was still trying not to. So the off seasons when it really hit me. Um, but yeah, there was times where I thought this would be great for me for not just me, but for hopefully for the kids. Oh, Sean, it is amazing how much hitting has changed. I'm sure how it's being taught, what is being evaluated and looked for from the time when you were last in the majors to right now. Uh, how is it that you are going about kind of teaching what some would call the modern swing, uh, how to approach the high-velocity pitching? There's a, there's a lot that goes into it now that I'm sure wasn't so much on the table even five years ago. Yeah, it's completely different. In fact, now our process is so, I'm so into it. It's awesome. It's like the most simple thing ever. It's like dominate the damage zone, swing at pitches basically down the middle. And the numbers show that pitchers throw down the middle. So if I swing at good pitches down the middle, the numbers show I'm going to do good things. So it just simplified hitting. It's not even necessarily mechanical anymore. Like I try to stay away from mechanics as much as possible, unless there's like a spot where it really, really needs it. But as an organization, we like to work backwards from the game. So like, if there's not an issue in the game, there's no sense of being like, Hey, you need to fix this, this, and this. But ultimately if I swing at good pitches, I'm going to do good things. If I swing at bad pitches, I'm going to do not so good things. So it's pretty, it's like that simple where I'm like, you tell me when I was going like, you know, I used to go four for four with like four flares and think I had a great game. And it's like, I'd go zero for four with four barrels and get out four times. And it's like, I need to change my swing, you know, and it's putting it in perspective. It's not always that. Sean O'Malley is our guest, former Mariner and Everett hitting coach these days. So Sean, it sounds so simple, right? Just <laughs> identify the pitch, swing at it or don't swing at it. Uh, it's obviously so much more complicated and complex than that, just based on the fact that it happens in just a fraction of a second. So how do you teach better swing decisions? Uh, challenging practice. So we're big on like machine work. I'm sure you guys saw it in spring training. We're trying to, we're, we're doing that down here. Um, and I never, like, like you said, like five years ago, like I was out on the machine. Like I was like, this isn't it. Like, and you know, you, you kind of have to battle that with the guys a little bit, but you know, you start to see they're getting some buy into this, like the Velo machine, like that's the easiest way I, you can replicate like high fastball with some ride or some sink. It's challenging. Like you're not going to hit half of the ball's good, but it's the best way to prepare for what you're about to face. Like I can't sit there and throw you 45 foot BP at, you know, 95 miles an hour, but I can crank a machine up to do it, to replicate it. So just having challenging practices and knowing that they're going it, to mentally, it's going to toughen them up in the long run as well. How does the information compare uh, even at the minors scouting reports, everything compared to what you had going through the minor league system? Like how, how big is the difference? It's pretty big. I mean, we used to get like a piece of paper with like the velo and it used to be like, it used to be like this guy's anywhere from like 83 to like 
97. You're like, that's a pretty big jump, you know, no locations. You don't know where he's throwing it. Like, so it was nice to like, you think the guy's throwing 88 and then you go out there to hit he's 98. You're like, eh, wasn't expecting that. So, but nowadays you have heat maps, you have where they like to throw the ball percentages they use right now. It's a little bit, it's not as accurate because we missed a whole entire season. So guys had two years essentially to increase and better their arsenal. So we're, we're adjusting on the fly, but yeah, the amount of data, the amount of resources you have now is, is incredible. So there's not really any information that you can't get. Sean, we hear Scott service talk about the velo machine, the velocity pitching machine. Uh, It seems like at least once a week, he's dropping that on us in media sessions. Can you give us some more detail as to what one of these looks like, what it does, how high you can crank it, how much you can customize it. Take take us through the owner's manual on one of these things. I'm still learning. That's why I have Umbria here. He's like my machine man, but basically man, it's, it's called the, it's the big hack is what we call it. It's just a giant machine with three giant wheels and you just go, it's got like little instructions on the side that says, if you want a fastball, turn these knobs to this number. But um, where you can get creative with it is, I, I just like to crank it up as high as it can go. As fast as it can go, as straight, or if we're facing a guy that night with a little with a little run, a little cut, like try to emulate what you're going to see. These things throw absolute cheese. We actually started doing it in, I think, 2016. And I remember... It was like, how many bats can you not break? And how many times can you not like dislocate your elbow? But then I went in the gap. I probably had the best spring training of my life that year. So really the nice thing about it, in my opinion, I feel like it slows down the game. So I mean, like, will it get to, if you wanted it to, maybe it'll start to smoke, but like, can you get it to throw a hundred miles an hour? Uh, Yeah, well, pretty much, I guess. We try to put it like up on the mound. So it's kind of like, it's coming out at the right angle and it's not like, six feet away from you but yeah the closer you move it the closer you move it the harder it's going to be and big big hack that's the that's the household name for this yeah the big hack and then we have the mini hack which is like the little small one that it doesn't i mean that's the one you scoop like bp length and throw fuzz but that one throws straighter the big hack like it'll get out of control <laughs> it'll be like that thing will cut you up it'll paint you down in a way then throw your cutter in then one at your neck and then one right down the middle Sean, I envision this like as a robot that takes life and is just like marching around the field, just just spraying 98 mile an hour fastballs all over the place and just picking guys off one by one. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what the thing is. It can it can it can defeat you if you let it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you ever get the itch? Do you ever climb in, face the machine, take VP? No, I think I took a flip the other day and I got jammed and I said, yeah, I'm done. So <laughs> I have no interest of facing that, that the machine that throws fuzzballs. You know, Julio is getting a lot of the attention and ever for obvious reasons. Is there somebody maybe under the radar we should be paying attention to that you've been really impressed with so far? Jackie Larson. Yes. Just Mr. Jackie barrels is what we call him. He's just a barrel finder, just crushes pelotas all over the yard. <laughs> And I call him Mr. Pro because he goes about his business the right way. He's always on time. He always takes his live reads good. He swings at good pitches. Like he's just the pro, you know, he just looks like he's been there. He's very professional. He's a great kid. Love being around him. Um, also, uh, Kaden Polkovich, 
I love watching that kid play. He's like one of my favorite people to watch. He's like, kind of like me. He was just a grinder. He hits the ball and he's like zero to 60. He's not stopping until somebody gets in his way, but he works very hard. And that's what I love about him. We were talking about you and your career playing all over the place. Uh, when Jerry DePoto was talking to us uh, a couple of weeks ago about the miners right now and kind of the state of the farm, he made it sound like it's a real priority right now for the Mariners for uh, many players. He used Austin Shenton as an example, and he's with you and Everett to get guys comfortable and multiple positions and not just pigeonhole, Hey, you're a third baseman. You're a second baseman. How much of that are you seeing on a week in and week out basis of guys kind of moving around a little bit? Uh, quite a bit. And I try to make it clear like days that you're not playing third base or first base or whatever, go somewhere else. Like if you have an off day or a DH day, use that time to go get uncomfortable at a different position. So that way you get your work in. Cause I mean, if I was playing second base that night, I'd want to get my reps in at second base or shortstop or, you know, whatever. But the days that I wasn't starting, that's when I would try to start exploring like different ways to incorporate new positions or positions I wasn't feeling real comfortable with or uh, what have you. And I mean, these guys have been doing great. Shenton's been at, I think I've seen him at every position in the infield. Um, same with TK, uh, Tyler Keenan. He's, you know, he's bouncing around. I've seen him at shortstop. He's gone to second. He's, I mean, these guys are really taking, like, taking to heart that they're not just one, one position guys. Um, I think they realize too, nowadays, that's sometimes the quickest way to the big leagues is sure. being versatile. You'd rather learn it here. Like one thing's for sure. I'd rather make, looking back now, all the times I wanted to make my mistakes, I wanted to make them in the minor leagues if I was going to make them. Um, I definitely didn't want to do it in the big leagues. As we finish up with, former Mariner and Everett hitting coach, Sean O'Malley. Sean, how's the, how's the food situation these days on the road in Everett? I mean, are we, what's the clubhouse spread looking like? We're not, we're not a T-Mobile park anymore. Actually the club here is doing pretty good. And the one, Oh, one in Everett. Oh, it's well, amazing. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure home ballpark. I'm sure you're in good hands. Oh, but yes. Like, you know, you start going into the wild unknown rest of the league, man. I mean, it could just be George Foreman grilled and PB and J. That's, that's how the first one went. This one's a little bit better. This uh, one in Spokane. Um, it's still like the average, you know, like got some granola bars, some bananas, peanut butter and jelly, some who knows how old lunch meat laying around. <laughs> and then, uh, but after the game is great. We have, I think the, um, the Mariners are in charge of picking up our dinners after the, after game. So our strength coach actually orders in meals every night after the game. So the kids can eat healthy and, even on the, even on the road, they take care of that on the road. Yeah. And it's wow. been great. Yeah. And they've been good food and it's, it's nothing like when I played and it's amazing that they do this for these guys. And I think it's the way it should be. And I'm glad that they, this organization takes pride in it. It sounds like you took this job in part just for the post-game meals now. I mean, this seems like, <laughs> oh, man. if you want to keep me here, that'll keep me here. <laughs> Well, Sean, I mean, it is so good to be with you again. Uh, we loved having you in Seattle. We're, we're so fortunate that you're within the organization once again and doing great work in Everett. And, and thank you for letting us relive some of our favorite Sean O'Malley memories as well along the way here today. It's great to be with you, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun.